Boys, cheers. Definitely feeling it. Feeling something. In the face, in the legs, in the arms. We're hitting the ball far, but we have no idea where the ball is going. What you're hearing is a bunch of golfers playing under the influence of alcohol. In other words, they're drunk. One of them just made a meaningless three-foot putt, but it sounds like they won the Masters because they've been loaded up with what in golf we call swing oil. And one popular theory is that the right amount can actually make you play better. Or, as one beverage car girl Myrtle Beach told me years ago, a couple drinks will loosen up that swing of yours. But is that really the case? Or was she just trying to sell me a couple of beers? Golfers have been trying to solve the mystery of alcohol's benefits for as long as the game has been around. Although it's a myth that golf courses have 18 holes because there are 18 shots in a bottle of scotch, it is true that some people can play a meaningful round of golf and still not be sober enough to drive home. And on multiple occasions, Golf Digest has attempted to test somewhat scientifically whether the right amount of grandpa's cough medicine will help cure your on-course ailments. I'm Alex Myers, and this is Local Knowledge, where we take a deeper dive into some of golf's most compelling stories. On this episode, we'll examine how alcohol affects your golf game with Dr. Ara Sapaya, one of the leading sports medicine physicians on the PGA Tour, and a couple guys who are definitely not doctors, Golf Digest Director of Photography, Christian Yost, and our Deputy Managing Editor, Stephen Hennessy. All three were part of a Golf Digest video in 2018 that has more than 1 million views on YouTube. People love golf and alcohol, and is evidenced by some of the brutal observations left in the comment section, roasting amateur golf swings. 0.45, run the board, boys. All right. My body feels very fluid, very relaxed. Golf and alcohol have always been intertwined. Whether you're buying beers at the halfway house or rehashing your round at the 19th hole. You hit three greens. I need to go to the range. You told me the second putt was good. 62 on the back? And many golfers claim the effects help ease the tension that comes with lining up a shot or a putt. Ask any golfer who has struggled, which would include every golfer in history, and they'll say the game's challenges are at least as much mental as they are physical. Think about all the times pressure has done a number on even the world's best golfers. Now, he stands at the drop area, the six-shot lead with which he began this day, an ever-increasingly distant memory. He's knocked it, he's knocked it three and a half feet past the hole. I don't believe it. I do not believe it. Now where is he going now? He's going out left to the front of the green. Yeah, it must be. I don't believe it. Is it possible that alcohol could have prevented some of golf's greatest collapses? Would Greg Norman have continued to leak oil at the 1996 Masters if he'd had a beer at the turn? Would Scott Hoke have been steadier over that two-footer to win a green jacket in 1989? Would Jean Vandeveld have still completely lost his mind on the 72nd hole at the 1999 Open Championship? Given what we know now, all three might have at least wished they'd tried. Now here's Vandeveld. He's got 133 to the flag. Biggest moment by far of the tournament here. So he's going to pull his. Actually, looks like he's going to he's going to have a couple of swigs of his Cabernet first. Now he's over it. Oh, it's a beauty! It is a beauty drawing back toward the flag, six feet for birdie. He will be very, very happy with that one. 
But before you even go there, understand professional golfers don't even have this option. According to the PGA Tour Player Handbook, any player consuming an alcoholic beverage during any practice or tournament round shall be subject to a significant penalty. For us weekend hackers, though, we don't have to worry about violating any handbook. Although we do have to worry about things like a golf cart DUI, which is actually a thing. All right, they want us to uh, pile on and race down the hill in golf carts. Oh, okay. Oh, quit creeping. Quit creeping. I bet y'all win. It's a little tight squeeze, so it's whoever wins that corner is going to get it. And the fact that drinking promotes more celebratory interactions, which in this era of social distancing isn't the smartest thing. But can drinking actually help? Yes. And no. It's complicated. Let's start with Dr. Sapaya, who has worked with some of golf's biggest names. Well, here's what I'll tell you. Like, I'm not, I'm not advocating drinking. Of course. Like, uh, of course. But what I'm saying is, within reason, right? I mean, look, alcohol has a place. Right. Well, I, you know, in moderation, why not? You know, if it helps you loosen up, Right. And, you know, let's say, you know, I remember teeing up with, uh, you know, the first time ever with uh, VJ mm. at TPC Sawgrass. Wow. I, I, dude, I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I could have used a few drinks. He was just standing there watching me and I could not. I, I was like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> like I felt the whole like 20,000 eyes watching. me. Right. So if at that point, if it matters to you that much. And you can have something to just calm you down, whether it's you know alcohol or CBD, mm-hmm. then why not? And if you're hearing a doctor saying this and thinking, how can golf be considered a sport if you can possibly play better while boozing? That too is a question as old as the game itself. But it's not isolated to golf. Just remember Yankees pitcher David Wells claims he was half drunk when he tossed a perfect game in 1998. So it's possible alcohol could alleviate tension in other sports as well. But the golf course, given the time between shots, the lack of strenuous activity, heck, even the cup holders in the cart, is particularly fertile ground. It's amazing. Where I would go, wherever I set course records or whatever, I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf, making every 20-footer I looked at. When I had a good buzz going, I I thought I could make everything play really good golf. And I think it's just because the body's so loose and it's like free, you know. That's John Daly who seems to suggest he might have won more than two majors if he were allowed to drink during professional tournaments. Did he have a point? We wanted to find out. If you're going to gamble on golf, you may as well do it right. And for any golf fan who's curious about betting on golf but hasn't gotten serious about it, we have the podcast for you. Be Right is Golf Digest's weekly gambling podcast featuring the latest PGA Tour intel and picks from an expert panel that is up nearly 300 units this season. That's a gambling term, by the way. With thoughts from some of fantasy sports' brightest minds and even an anonymous tour caddy at our side, we've done our best to turn betting on golf into a science to help you make money off golf. While we can't promise that you'll come out ahead every week, we can guarantee you'll be well-informed and entertained along the way. So stop doing golf wagers wrong and join us on Be Right. Our most recent experiment took place at Rock Ridge Country Club in Connecticut, and involved three golfers of various skill levels having two drinks at a time, hitting some shots and putts, and then repeating the process to gauge the effects on their performance. The trio got up to eight drinks apiece, and, well, here's how Golf Digest Director of Photography Christian Yost described the scene. They were drunk uh, (laughs) by the end of this. 
and sort of like the the dirty little secret in all of this was at, at some point during the day, like Joel and Steve like started doing shots uh, in addition to the beer they were drinking, oh, wow. and, and it they were they were pretty lit up by the end of it, and um, it was hilarious. I mean, you mean you know like it was just it was just a, a ball of laughs all right. day long, and uh, it was cold that day. They were not cold by the end of this. Um, <laughs> But we needed Dr. Sapaya to describe what our test subject's bodies were actually going through. Because he's a doctor. And because those involved in the experiments weren't coherent by the end. The first stage is the stage of our phase, is phase of euphoria. Okay? Mm -hmm. This is when you typically, uh, just about the legal limit to drive, one to two drinks in, okay? You kind of feel confident, chatty, you know, um, and you're a little bit, you're just very fine motor control. So like things like putting, like, you know, hitting a 60 yard wedge, right. that kind of slightly more delicate stuff won't, won't be that great. But <laughs> because you're confident, like you, you'd want to like rip the driver, you know, you'd be right. like, oh, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Right. And that's, that's a little bit of a disinhibition, which is why, you know, if you, if you, if you, you people need to drink before they go socialize, because it kind mm. of lets you relax, lets you like, don't care so much about how you are, not so uptight, you know? So that that's the case, right? Watch out, Rory, Dustin. I'm coming after you. That's, that's how I'm feeling right now. And then from euphoria, you go to the excitement phase. That's when you've had about three to five drinks. And this is typically what we call, you know, the drunk stage, right? Yeah. And your mood can be high or low. So we've all seen people get like, like they think they're the next, uh, you know, ninja. And then... <laughs> curl up in a boy in a fetal position crying <laughs> you know it all depends on how you feel yeah. uh, but definitely there you'll start noticing things like you know loss of coordination uh, loss of balance you know and then things like you know in some, not necessarily in golf but you'll see like in certain sports your reaction time will be slow it's not gonna be good to be honest after seven beers you don't know where your balls are going and then from the excitement phase, we go to the confusion phase. This is when it's like, okay, you are, you know, five to eight drinks deep. You have a major loss of coordination. Most people can't even stand at this point, you know, let alone hit a driver. I can confirm, Doc, having participated in another Golf Digest study a few years before in which my blood alcohol level got to more than twice the legal limit. Let's just say I'm glad the cameras weren't rolling that day. So in other words... I'm not John Daly, and never really have been, especially when there's something on the line. For one thing, I feel like alcohol hinders my focus, and caring less about my score tends to actually hurt my score. For another, I don't have much of a tolerance for alcohol anymore, so staying in that euphoric phase Dr. Sapaya mentioned has become more difficult. Then again, I'm not immune to the effects of pressure. When things get tight on my yearly golf trip, I tend to hit a big, ugly block slice. It's grotesque, not to mention embarrassing. But under the influence of two vodka sodas in our work experiment, I actually improved both my distance and my accuracy. A couple drinks really did loosen up my swing. Had I found that zen-like zone Ty Webb describes in Caddyshack? Stop thinking. Let things happen and be the ball. If there is such a zone, it doesn't last long. After a couple more drinks, I had trouble keeping golf balls on the range. 
which, judging by the video, seemed to be the same for Golf Digest Stephen Hennessy, a mid-handicapper who has been known to enjoy a couple cocktails on the course. Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm used to uh, playing, you know, with a little buzz on, but um, it definitely, looking back on the video now, a couple years later, it definitely does distort your, your motor skills. So, you know, I wasn't as accurate as I was. Um, I didn't have quite the focus, I don't think, as I normally would. But remember, Steve was mostly talking about alcohol on the course in the context of having a good time which is why most people drink while playing. Performance is an entirely different thing. Although Steve seems to think it can help there too. Yeah, I think beer muscles are a thing. And I think like a stress reliever is definitely a thing. So I think in the video, you know, we all picked up distance after two or four drinks. Right. We, we lost uh, accuracy, you know, four to six drinks because that's, you know, that you would expect that. Uh, and yeah, as a stress reliever, I would say, you know, a drink or two during a round, uh, you know, often helps, uh, you know, especially if, if it's a, a pressure filled round. I, I think it often helps for me in both of those ways. You know, I'm more likely to maybe take a full swing and kind of rip. But as Steve and I both learned, taking a rip with the driver is a lot different than taking one with an iron, which requires more precision. In fact, there might still be a divot from the one ball I attempted to hit off the grass on a nearby hole. Come to think of it, it's amazing the course let us come back a few years later. Overall, both of our studies backed up Dr. Sapaya's statements. When it comes to just the basic act of hitting a driver off a tee, we concluded weaker players seem to improve after a couple drinks before experiencing a precipitous drop-off in skill. Support for Local Knowledge is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And guys, we've all had a tough grooming experience here. Try to make the scissors work, but they don't. And maybe you try to make the beard trimmer work, but that also doesn't work. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming experience. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GD20 at Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GD20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code GD20, capital G, capital D, 20. Six beers in, I'm feeling like swinging a golf club might be tough. Well, this, uh... Golf club serving as a nice cane. Feeling rough, man. Better players, 
at least the two scratch-level guys participating in our tests, didn't appear to gain as much of an advantage because generally they're already longer hitters. For them, the few extra yards they pick up by swinging even faster wasn't worth the big loss in accuracy. Putting seemed to be affected the least, but we also stuck to the same putts each round, which allowed us to get by in muscle memory instead of relying on feel. All of which suggests these experiments had some holes in them. For starters, we used a relatively small sample size of golf shots, which probably explains why our iron results were so varied. We didn't test the short game other than our flawed putting test, and by staying on the range, we also didn't test the mental game, most notably the judgment required to manage your way around the golf course. Remember, as everyone from Jean Vandeveld to Phil Mickelson has taught us, it's that a golfer's most costly mistake might just be making a boneheaded decision. I, I still am in shock that I did that. I just, I just can't believe that, that I did that. I'm, I am uh, such an idiot. But what the experiments did showcase was something quite subtle, but really important. The improvements seen after a couple drinks, particularly with the driver, seem to prove alcohol has a way of blocking the negative feelings of tension and pressure that creep into a golfer's body in big moments, especially when hitting the big dog. Here's Sapaya on why. Think about the scenario in the bar, right? Once you've had a few, like one or two drinks, you're just enough, you still, you know, you still can walk, okay, you can still make sense of what you're saying. That's when you'll approach somebody that you would never normally, like not approach sober, because you're... You're confident, you're chatty, you know, you, you kind of think, I can do this, you know. So, like a driver, as long as you can make contact with the ball at that stage, which you should, yeah. you probably hit it pretty far. Dr. Sapaya says tension and pressure manifest from perception and expectations. When a golfer starts focusing too much on results, the tendency is to get tight. That can lead to a breakdown of the swing due to a loss of coordination, often stemming from the lack of making a complete turn in the backswing which then causes you to come over the top, something I am unfortunately quite familiar with. To be clear, the good doctor is not prescribing alcohol to cure your slice, but he did say it's okay to experiment, especially because alcohol affects everyone so differently. So alcohol is something that when you consume it, right, it doesn't have to be digested. So it's not like you're eating a protein bar that needs to be broken down to amino acids and then digested and absorbed in the bloodstream. It goes straight to the bloodstream. Dr. Sapaya notes a few factors that affect tolerance, including age and size. He also singled out drinking in hot weather as a compounding effect because your body is being dehydrated in two ways. In other words, finding that euphoric sweet spot in the summer becomes even trickier, which isn't good for someone like me whose annual golf trip takes place in the dog days of August. So what about playing entire rounds while enjoying a few rounds? In 2003, our David Owen spent four booze-filled days in Las Vegas studying this very thing. Quite the tough assignment. And one that gets only better by the fact he got to bring a foursome of his buddies and played around with comedians Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla. Not surprisingly, shenanigans ensued, including David hitting a golf ball teed up in Jimmy Kimmel's mouth. Thankfully, that dangerous attempt went off without incident, or Kimmel probably would have never had his own late-night show. Overall, David's group had similar findings in that drinking initially caused longer drives and in cases better overall play before devolving into dangerous trick shots and falling into water hazards. So how do you keep from crossing that fine line? 
know your own tolerance and again like if you if you're eating you know if you have a bag of nuts pretzel you know uh, you know hot dog then you are going to change how quickly you absorb alcohol in the system so what have we learned well alcohol's effect on one's golf game is sort of reflective of golf in general there's a sweet spot there but it's difficult to hit and once you take it too far it's even tougher to get back on track Having a few drinks isn't going to improve the mechanics of your golf swing in the same way it doesn't make you smarter or wittier at a bar. But what it does do in moderation is perhaps help you get out of your own way. It's possible to put too much effort into playing golf. It's even easier to put too much booze in your body while doing so. And I'm reminded of that every time I think about that hideous divot I made that fun but dizzying day. So for me, The risks of drinking during a round I really care about seem to outweigh the potential benefits off the tee, at least for now. Undoubtedly, there will be many more studies on this matter, both formal and informal. And when Golf Digest wants to do another such experiment, I'll bravely volunteer. You know, for the sake of science. Local Knowledge is produced by Greg Gottfried with editorial guidance from Sam Wyman. Our music is Jam C by Stefan Kartenberg through CC Mixter. Remember to subscribe to and review Local Knowledge on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And to also subscribe to Golf Digest's weekly gambling podcast, Be Right.